Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. I'm Bernard Nomberg, attorney with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Each week, I have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. My guest this week is attorney Bo Johnson. Bo represents families whose children have special needs in dealing with their education and making sure that the school districts do the right thing that they're supposed to by state or federal law. Bo has really developed a special niche in this area and is such a compassionate man. We think you'll find this to be an informative episode. Thank you again for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. Good morning, everybody. It's Bernard Nomberg. It is another, well, it's Thursday. So we, we've pivoted from Tuesday to Thursday. It's 10 o'clock. It's another episode of Nomberg Law Live. And I'm so pleased to have my guest today, Birmingham attorney, Bo Johnson. Good morning, Bo. How are you doing, bud? Bernard, I'm doing well. Thanks. I, I sure appreciate you being on today. I'm looking forward to our topic. For those of you who don't know of Bo or haven't met him yet, you need to. Bo has a very important niche in the law that he handles, and that's dealing with children and families who have special needs and more specifically dealing with their education. And it is a real finite area of law, and I applaud what Bo does because so few attorneys do this type of work, but so many families absolutely need this guidance, this assistance. And Bo, we've, we've got a big topic to tackle, but before we get into that, I want to talk about your practice a little bit and sure. your approach, because when you're dealing with families, parents and their children, particularly children who have special needs of some sort or another, those parents may not be fully understanding or it may be new to them what those special needs are and then trying to bring it into the school system and depending on where they live, whether it's suburbs, urban, city, county, whatever it may be, it's a wide swath of, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Right. So share a little bit about your practice and, and how you approach these things with families. Sure. Well, I'll talk about my practice first and then jump right into, um, you know, families and, and their interactions with the school districts. But um, we were talking, Bernard, before I came on um, about when I began practicing law in Alabama, and that was in 2003. And, and pretty much since then, um, I have been a trial lawyer, um, either on the defense side um, or in, in predominantly on the plaintiff's side for uh, the last um, 17 years or so, and <clears throat> have tried uh nearly 40 jury trials to, to conclusion in, in state or federal court in Alabama. And so that's, that's my practice background. And um, I began doing special education work about seven years ago and have slowly over the years um, done more and more of it. And, and now my practice has shifted to 
about 80% of it being special education law. And what that means is, in a nutshell, is I represent primarily children, uh, students who have mental, physical, emotional, or learning disabilities. And um, in Alabama, when a public school system, be it a, a, a city school system, a county school system, um, accepts funding from the United States federal government and specifically funding from the U.S. Department of Education, that money comes to public school districts with some strings attached. And the main strings attached are that when school districts um, have students with disabilities, then those students must be treated like all other students who don't have disabilities. And one way the federal government attempts to even the playing field for kids with disabilities is with a law called the IDEA. And the IDEA is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And it puts an affirmative duty on public school districts uh, to provide special education services for kids with disabilities who need it, to level the playing field, to make sure that they get what the United States Supreme Court calls a FAPE, which is a free appropriate public education. When parents come to see me, most of the time, they are at the ends of their ropes with the school districts. Things have not, typically my clients come to me when things have not been going well with their kids. There's a there's a problem there that, that no one's quite been able to identify yet, or um, the grades have suddenly uh, become you know, terrible or the kids having behavioral problems. And, uh, you know, parents uh, don't want to upset the school districts sometimes. And so they come to me and when they get to me, they're often very, very, very upset at, at what their child has experienced. So that's that's the starting point. And, and it's a it's a tough place for a parent to be because, you know, we all want what's best for our kids. Well, well, certainly, we certainly do. And, and Bo, I'm sure by the time families get to you, they're exasperated, they're frustrated. Yeah. They certainly are not coming to you because they're happy and things are great. Right. What percentage of your cases, or I guess, it, how often do your cases end up in a court of law as opposed to any other avenues by way of reaching resolution to whatever the issue may be. And then as a follow-up, I have a question from a friend of mine, Annika, who lives in Ohio, and this may be a completely different topic, but mm -hmm. she says, do you help families with letters of intent? Are you familiar with that term? I don't know if that's an Ohio term and there may be an equivalent in Alabama. Annika may wanna just describe that a little bit. But uh, go back to the, the first part of that. I'm sorry. Bo. Sure. So, so um, about half the cases end up in what's called due process litigation. And uh, about half the cases are resolved without litigation. And um, what, what happens is the, the parents identify uh, a, a, a problem. They cannot work it out with the school district. 
And under federal law, the parents are allowed to bring what's called a due process claim. And a due process claim essentially says that the school district has uh, deprived the child or the student of a free appropriate public education. And so that triggers an administrative proceeding at the Department of Education in Alabama uh, that is decided by an impartial hearing officer. And in Alabama, we have uh, four impartial hearing officers who hear all of these cases. But, but even, when you, even when a parent gets to a due process proceeding, there is, there is a built-in statutorily required resolution period that requires the school district and the parents to sit down unless they both decide that they want to waive it. But most of the time they don't. They sit down and try to work out their differences. And um, but but sometimes, you know, we're able to work out um, the differences before. And that really depends on the the, the relationship that, that the lawyer and the school district start. If, if I go into that situation threatening and, and, and attacking school districts and attacking special education directors and teachers, we're going to end up in litigation. Um, and that's because teachers and special education directors and school administrators have a, have a hard job. I, and, and so that's, you know, that's not my approach. My approach is to work with districts as much as I can to, to, to reach a resolution that's in the best interest of the student. You know, I was going to say, Bo, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably get a response often that, that where a special, ed, special education coordinator or teacher, whatever their title may be, will say to you or the family, we just don't have the resources from our school district to a company to be able to, to meet the needs of child X. Yep. And then they'll say, well, I couldn't imagine an educator saying, well, we just, we're not going to even approach dealing with your, that child, because we don't want that child with it. I know that's not going to be the norm. It's, it's probably, well, we wish we could, but we can't. Mm -hmm. And maybe that forces the issue where you have to go to a higher authority, if you will, to get some guidance that maybe then allows the school district or puts it on the school district to now be proactive finally. But I know that's not fair because different parts of, and we'll just stay in our state, obviously different parts of our state are, are better from a socioeconomic standpoint than others, more funding, et cetera. Mm -hmm. While we'd love there to be funding everywhere for all children who have special needs, the reality is it's probably woefully underfunded. Yeah. So I, I guess, Let's take a family that just lives out in a very small community and, the, and they're just not the resources. How does a family get the proper education for that child? Well, that is really a, a, a responsibility of the public school district that the child is enrolled in. And under the IDEA and uh, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, the school districts have an affirmative duty called the child find requirement. And child find means that school districts have to be proactive in identifying kids uh, who may have disabilities that the parents don't know about or, or that are not readily apparent or that, that may be apparent, but that 
that the child is just has, has not, um, you know, the, the problems, the education problems caused by the disability haven't quite manifested themselves yet. But now the, the kid is in sixth or seventh grade, school's becoming much more difficult and all of a sudden it's apparent that that, that child's having some serious learning issues. In, in really, Bernard, all school districts have to provide special education services no matter the cost. If a, if a child needs, if a child in the Mount Brook School District and a child in the uh, you know, Clark County School District needs speech pathology services, or that child has autism and, and needs a one-to-one -one paraprofessional during the day, uh, or that you've got two kids, both of whom um, are wheelchair bound and, and require daily nursing services, those kids are supposed to get the exact same level of services regardless of the school district that they're in. And that's what the IDEA intends to do. So if, if you've got a, a, a kid who moves from one district, school district to another, this generally speaking, the school district into which the child moves, let's say it's halfway through the school year, has to supply the same services, accommodations, aids, and so on and so forth as the child had in the previous school district. And so, so the, IDE, the IDEA really attempts to make it so that all kids, regardless of, of where they're going to school, if they have a disability and need special education services, are going to get the same level of services regardless of where they go. Well, it's, I know that in, in, a, in a perfect world, that certainly then your job might not be uh, <laughs> what it is today. And it really, I really do applaud what you're doing because though I'm sure there's only a handful in our state of attorneys who, who practice the type of law that you do, you probably, you guys probably all know each other and, yeah. and uh, I suspect you, you lean on each other a little bit because you all have similar uphill battles uh, that you face, but what, one of the resources that you had mentioned is rights law, an attorney who kind of sets out all of the resources and things. I'm going to post the link to that website, but if you would share with, with folks who may be watching us, what is this resource in general? Why, why would they want to go to this, this place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, attorney Pete Wright and his wife, Pam, um, run the uh, runrightslaw.com. And Pete is a friend of mine. Um, and I, uh, he runs, he essentially is the outside attorney who runs the special education a law certification program at, at William and Mary Law School, which is where I got my certification a few years ago. And Pete has taken several education cases to the United States Supreme Court and has won and has basically devoted his life to uh, advocating uh, and working as an attorney in the area of special education law. The website is full of uh, frequently asked questions, publications that parents and attorneys want to see, um, links to laws in every state in the U.S. That, that parents need to know about. Um, he has important case law for 
all courts, all federal courts in the U.S. Um, that that are written in plain English, easy to understand terms, so that parents can get on there and 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 try to um, answer you know their own questions. It's a very valuable um, website, and uh, and Pete has also written um, several books on special education law that um, you know are range in length from you know 50 pages to 400 pages and uh and, and so it's just a resource that that's very you know that's easily searchable um you know parents across the country um, I, I am licensed in washington state also and and my clients in washington have the same questions as you know my clients in alabama and and um, that's a good resource well that's what i was going to ask you if this is largely a federal issue federal law that applies I'm in Georgia, Tennessee, wherever, and I'm watching this video and I want to reach out to you, mm -hmm. are you either A, able to help that individual in another state, even if you're not licensed there, or do you have resources to be able to help get them to somebody in that particular state? Um, I would not be able to represent, uh, you know, anyone um, in an education case outside of Alabama or, or Washington. Um, and, but um, I would also be able to guide parents to an attorney in that state. And, and one thing I wanna mention, Bernard, um, it, there is an organization called COPA mm -hmm. and that's, that's an acronym for the um, Council on, uh, I think it's Council on Parent Attorneys and Advocates, C-O-P-A-A. And COPA maintains uh, a searchable database for education, special education attorneys in, in every state. And so um, that is also a place where parents can, can start. Uh, Alabama, unfortunately, does not have a, uh, does not maintain a, um, a database on the State Department of Education website that lists attorneys who do this kind of work. Washington does. The state of Washington has an entire roster on the State Department of Education website showing um, lawyers who do work for free, lawyers who do work for attorney's fees. Well, that's you, you led me to my next question is, what if we have a family from, from a pretty low socioeconomic status? How can they afford the services of an attorney to pursue this type of a matter for their child? Well, that is, that's, that's a difficult situation to navigate, but the way I handle it is um, the, the, the IDEA has a fee shifting provision in it. Mm -hmm. so, so that means that generally speaking, if a parent and, and their child are the prevailing parties in due process litigation, then the parent um, would be entitled to attorney's fees. Normal, you know, it practically speaking, when I represent a parent um, and uh, the parent does not does not have the means to pay me, um, I I will represent that parent um, on a contingency fee basis for a short period of time, and and if we are able to get the case resolved before the due process claim, mm -hmm. generally the school district will agree to pay my attorney's fees 
for handling that. So that's that's how we do it. Um, one problem that I had early in this practice was, you know, I said a little while ago, parents come to me, they're really upset usually. That's the state of mind. So they so they really want to attack the school district. They really want to be aggressive and bring me a, a stack of documents that are three feet high. And then a month later, they, they've cooled off. They've rethought their position. And I, this happened to me twice. Um, I, I did a lot of work to, to prepare to help the parent. And then the parent said, oh, I've decided not to proceed against the district. Never mind. I don't want to do this again. So the way that the way I proceed now, the way most special education lawyers proceed is we charge a small retainer mm -hmm. to ensure that the parents are have thought this process through and, and to ensure that they um, are committed to the process because it's generally not something that happens quickly and, and it's very difficult for an attorney in, in my uh, in my niche to really be successful if the parent a month and a half into a special education claim says, you know what, the school district and I have made up and I don't know who's going to pay you for your 30 hours, but it's not going to be me. So, yeah. so that's something we just have to balance client by client. No, I, I, I certainly can appreciate that. From our practice, we also work on a contingency fee. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, it's, it's sometimes it's very difficult. You put all this time, effort, energy on behalf of the client. They've hired you to do a job and then emotions shift. Right. And it, it does create a bit of a conflict. That's for sure. Yeah. Guys, I'm talking with Birmingham attorney, Bo Johnson. We're talking about his practice. It's a very special, it's a niche in the law of helping families with special needs, dealing with education and what should or shouldn't be available to, to those children. I put in the show notes, Bo, in addition to the Rights Law website, the uh, COPA website. I've also put a, a, a link it's called exceptionallives.org, and it talks about the IDEA mm -hmm. uh, Act and explains those things. How can folks reach you? What's a good number, email, website, whatever you got? I want folks to be able to reach out to you to uh, continue this conversation. Yeah, we're finished. And, and thanks for, for asking that, Bernard. Um, the, my email address is Bo, B-O, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, law, L-A-W, at gmail.com. And uh, my telephone number is 205-706-4431. And um, the other, the email is by far the best way to reach me. Um, the other uh, way to get me is on Instagram. And my uh, professional Instagram um, handle is at BoJohnsonLaw, B-O-J-O-H-N-S-O-N-L-A-W. Right, and and I will, so, I'll put a link to that as well when I find sure. it. Yeah. Okay. Bo, let's, we've got just a few more minutes and let's talk about once you've done your job, meaning the needs of that child are now being met from an education standpoint. Yeah. Is your work as their lawyer necessarily finished? Are you done with the family or is there a continual uh, need or, or happen chance for communication with the family going forward? 
Um, 80% of the work is done. Once, once the issues with the school district are resolved, um, we, we put that in a settlement agreement. And the settlement agreement specifies everything that the child is going to receive um, as far as services or um, uh, technological aids. And it's, it generally summarizes something called compensatory education. Compensatory education is education services awarded to put the, put the child in the position he or she would have been in had the school district appropriately served the child up to that point. That document is, is then incorporated into what's called uh, an IEP, which is an individualized education plan, which, which would be in existence for every, every child uh, who, who has one. So the settlement agreement is incorporated, incorporated into the IEP by amendment. And then, and then the school district's obligated to implement the, the settlement agreement going forward. And um, what, I, what I try to do with parents is check in with them at the 30-day point, 60-day point, and 90-day point and say, hey, is the district following the settlement agreement? And, and if, if not, you know, help me understand, you know, where we are. And sometimes that leads to um, additional litigation. Um, sometimes parents come to me, they, they've They've worked out an agreement themselves with the school district without a lawyer's help, but the school district refuses to follow the settlement agreement. And so the parents come to me and say, well, this is what they promised to do, but they're not doing it. Can you help us? And so um, it's always an ongoing conversation and, um, but it's not a daily thing, but, but I like my clients to know that once I help them get to the get to the point of a resolution, they, they can call me back and say, Bo, you know, things are not, they're not living up to their end of the agreement or they're not living up to their end of the bargain. Um, but, but I can tell you, um, Bernard, you know, eight times out of 10, the school districts and, and, and special education coordinators I deal with work very hard to, to try to serve these students. And it's, it's not a high paying job. It's not a job that special education coordinators and special, educa uh, special education teachers go into to get rich. I mean, they, they generally care about students, but um, unfortunately districts are, are overwhelmed and, um, and, and sometimes they, they put too much pressure on special education teachers. And so it, it's, it's important for, for, I think, viewers to understand the, the, you know, the balance that has to be maintained in these kinds sure. of relationships. And, sure. um, you know, sometimes you just have situations where uh, teachers and administrators just aren't doing what's necessary, um, or they're simply deliberately ignoring the needs of a, of a disabled kid. Uh, those are extreme cases, and so, um, but but like I said, my approach is to you know, try to work with the district, and 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 while ensuring that you know I am listening to the parents, trying to understand what the student has been through, and see if there's some middle ground. Because I mean, for most of these kids, they're going to be in school for a few more years. You know, anywhere from 
eight to, to, to five or six more years. And so it's important for the relationship um, uh, between the parent and the district to be as good as it can be. And thank you for that explanation, Bill. I've got one more topic to, to ask you before we conclude for the day. Talk to us about the scenario where the needs of the child, maybe the medical condition has changed, mm -hmm. it has evolved or devolved depending on the child. And then that then creates a situation where what was in place for the child may not be applicable anymore. So the question is, what's the responsibility of the parents once this happens, once there's a change in the medical condition of the child that impacts what is in place for their education needs? What, is the, what are the parents supposed to do? The, the parents ought to alert the, their, their child's case manager and the, their child's IEP team, which is a group of, of school employees and professionals which includes the, the by, by statutory definition, the IEP team includes the parents. And the parents should say, hey, guys and girls, um, you know, my son's situation has changed. My daughter's situation has changed. Um, we need to make some adjustments. And the parents have a right to call um, an IEP meeting. And generally speaking, the school district must hold that IEP meeting within 30 days. Um, and, but generally, that's not a problem. Um, another, another situation that comes up sometimes, Bernard, is that there's a, a perfectly healthy child who does not have an IEP, right? He's not receiving special education services, but that child um, suddenly becomes ill, um, has a severe injury in sports, or has a cancer diagnosis. Um, and, and so the school district in that situation also has what's called a child find requirement. So if, if the kid misses a week of school it, because he or she is sick, the school district needs to be on top of that and say to the parent, hey, you know, can we get together a, a 504 plan under the Rehabilitation Act to serve your child while he or she is dealing with this disability? Um, you know, students with autism, it, it's clearly a disability, but if a, but if a, if, a, if your kid's a soccer player, breaks his or her leg, you know, and un unfortunately contracts a staph infection um, and is in the hospital for three months, you know, that student has a disability that um, the district has a, a statutory obligation to serve under 504 of the Rehab Act. And so, but, but the parents, the parents have got to let the district know right, hey, this has changed with my kid, or, um, you know, this is, um, th this is the, this is a new situation, can we adjust it? And that's, that's what a parent should do. Well, it, 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 it all boils down to the communication and not putting right. your head in the sand and just assuming that it'll, it'll breeze over, everything will be, be fine. But that's why families need to seek out Bo and his experience and expertise in this this area that is can be highly emotional very charged at times but Bo, I want to thank you for sharing a little bit about what you do and and the things this this part of the world that maybe a lot of people are, are just not aware of until they're thrust into that position yeah. and don't realize where to even start so thank you for your time today 
Well, you're welcome. And, and I, it was a privilege to be on. And uh, thanks so much for letting me talk about this, Bernard. Oh, my, my pleasure. And guys, I put in the show notes the several different, at least three or four different websites of, that Bo referenced. Also, all of Bo's contact information is in there. So please reach out to him, 205-706-4431, bojohnsonlaw at gmail.com. So thank you again, Bo. Appreciate it, bud. Yep. Very welcome. I enjoy being here. As we do each Tuesday, most Tuesdays, <laughs> today's Thursday, it is, as I like to say on Nomberg Law Live, interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And you hear today, you heard Bo's passion for what he does. So I'm so thankful we had this conversation. Thank you guys for the contributions, the comments, and, and folks watching. We'll be back next Tuesday as we do each, each week. Hope you guys continue to be safe and we will catch you next week. Take care.